Bonsoir à tous and welcome to French Football Weekly podcast. I am Philippa B and I am standing in for Chris who has potentially terminal router issues uh, and we also have no Rich this evening. So I am joined by Jeremy Smith. Hi Jez. Hi. And a special guest for this evening, Lana Darwood, aka Cocolito on Twitter. Hi Lana. Hi. So we've got uh, quite a lot to get through this evening because there's been a round of European games as the Champions League and Europa League uh, group stages kicked off. Obviously a round of games in Ligue 1, uh, a little bit of uh, French friendlies for the women's football and quite a lot of off-pitch action which we're going to uh, come on to as well as your questions. So if we start with the European games that happened last week, Uh, we kicked off with PSG winning 5-0 away at Celtic. Meanwhile, Monaco had a bit of a setback, drawing 1-1 away at Red Bull Leipzig. Um, Tielemans with, I think, his debut goal for, for Monaco, but they drew there. And then on Thursday, we had the Europa Games, where Lyon drew 1-1 away in Cyprus at Apollon. Um, Marseille won Uh, slightly unconvincingly against Konya Sport and Nice absolutely battered Zultavaregem away 5-1. So of those games, possibly the, the one we want to start with is Lyon's trip to Cyprus, which uh, started with a Depay penalty, putting them ahead, but then conceding a 93rd minute equaliser. So uh, Lana particularly, um, how did that How did that match look to you um, in terms of how Lyon are going to go forward in this competition? Well, thanks for reminding me of the result. Mm -hmm. um, they look good, but as we've seen in the past, their issue is still defense. It's They're making such silly mistakes and they look so good going forward, especially Fekir, who's had a great start to the season, even Mariano at times. Depay, there's still question marks. Uh, I think that he misses Lacazette a lot because Lacazette you know, would bring out the best in him. So now he's having to work on his own, basically. But I really enjoyed them. They played really well. Great football. But as I said, their defense is still so shaky sometimes. And it's just silly mistakes being made, which shouldn't be at this point going forward if we want to have any chance of getting third place, maybe competing for the title, eventually maybe some of the cup trophies as well. It's just frustrating because we dominated for so long and then to concede literally 20 seconds before full time uh, was just so frustrating. And it was like flashbacks to the Euro final feeling like, okay, great. <laughs> So, Jez, did you see see any of that one? I mean, what do we think about the, the chances in, in the Europa League overall for those teams? Um, I mean, for Lyon, obviously, the, there's a massive incentive in the, the finals being played at their grounds. Um, <clears throat> the, I mean, arguably, the good thing about the Europa League being such a long, drawn-out competition uh, with a group stage is that it gives them a chance to to sort of bed their players in because um I, th i still think that they've they've bought really well and that they've got the makings of a really good team there but because there's been not a massive overhaul but they've lost two or three extremely important players um i think a lot of the time 
Um, and I think it's shown the last until Sunday, which we'll come on to, I think in the, in the European match and the last couple of league matches beforehand as well. Um, I think a lot of the time they're playing as a, as a team of individuals who haven't yet um, sort of got used to playing, playing with each other. So, you know, there doesn't seem yet to be a great understanding between the front three. Um, I agree with Lana. I'm still not, I'm not convinced at all about Depay. I like Mariano and um, Traore a lot, but they don't seem to have completely connected yet. And, um, you know, the, the transition from defence to attack seems a bit slow and a bit lost at times. But I do think that they've got the talent there that the longer they play together, it, it will it will come together. Um, so, yeah, I, d- I didn't think they were too impressive on Thursday. And possibly um, the, des- the draw was all they deserved. But it wasn't the worst result in the world, considering the other match. And you know, Everton really look a bit... Of, I mean, a similar problem, but really look a mess at the moment. So mm-hmm. I do think Lyon have got every chance of, of qualifying. And then um, Nice uh, sort of in a way the opposite or you know maybe where where Lyon wants to be in, in a few weeks time they they suddenly do seem to have clicked um I think a lot of players could take a, a leaf out of Seri's book you know he was clearly furious that the move to Barcelona didn't go through but the way he's put that out of his mind and sort of gone straight back to the form that he was in last year is fantastic Mm-hmm. And, you know, however poor the opposition to, to score five goals away from home, especially as I think it was in your in your preview article, you said Nice have only ever won yep. one European match away. So, yeah. I mean, that's a great result. And I think the fact that um, in the press conference after the match, Favre was criticising the defence and the fact that they conceded a goal yeah. shows that I think he's in a much better mood than he was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. If uh, you know, if that's what he's going to focus on, he's obviously happy with the other end of the pitch. Yeah, and I think that was possibly Alison Maximin's debut goal for, for Nice was, I think, the fourth of the five. Player with two, Dante with what we're assuming is a towering header on a corner, um, and Mario Balotelli getting one as well. So Nice, um, in very cheaper form after their wonderful league uh, win against Monaco the weekend previously, and went on to um, take it slightly tighter against Rennes at the weekend, but... Uh, beat them 1-0 with, again, a, a Balotelli goal. Now, the mass- if there wasn't a net to stop that shot, I think it would still be moving. <laughs> so, meanwhile, at the Velodrome, um, the, there was a, a 1-0 win against uh, Turkish team Konyaspor, uh, Adol Rami with, uh, with the only goal of the game just after half-time. And apparently with 8,649 spectators in the Vell, that was the worst turnout this century, um, I saw tweeted. Um, not sure how many of them actually were from Konya Sport, but given the banners that were up uh, last weekend, the uh, fan strikes and various other threats, that looks like it was a fairly edgy um, occasion and they got the win. Not massively convincing, but I think it was onwards and upwards. And then Marseille went on to um, beat Amiens 2-0 away um, on Sunday with a brace from Clinton G. So hopefully that will 
at least calm things down a little bit um, uh, as as they move forward. So things. I think NG deserves. Hmm? I think NG maybe because um, with Lana here, there'll be a bit of a Lyon theme, but I think Clinton NG deserves um, a positive mention because Marseille fans have been. I think unnecessarily very harsh with him since he joined, but I th I think he's he's been. I mean, he hasn't had much competition, but I think he's been as good as anyone else certainly this season. Um, I think he's by quite some way his the their top scorer. Yep, he's got and, um, five, so he is third in Liga after Falcao and Cavani. So that, that's not bad going. And um, you know, the first goal was very lucky. The second one, actually, to be fair, was I thought a very nice team move. But um, you know, while other players have been pretty useless, I think he's at least keeping them afloat. Mm -hmm. And a clean sheet with no Evra. What a coincidence! Mm -hmm. I saw he was on the bench. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> so that was that was one of the the Sunday games. Uh, looking at some of the other league on games, we had um, Bordeaux won 1-0 away at Toulouse in the Derby de la Garonne on Friday night. Malcolm of course, with the goal. I think that's um, Bordeaux's first win away at Toulouse in about eight years. So even though that was a tight one, a very even game, Malcolm making the difference there. Um, we had Monaco beating uh, Strasbourg 3-0. Um, Saint-Etienne winning away at Dijon 1-0 for a Bamba penalty. Um, Nantes beating Caen 1-0. And then we come to some of the games that we're just going to mention a little bit more, that Gangon beat uh, Lille 1-0 with a 93rd-minute winner from uh, Etienne Tido. Um, the Lille project continues to project badly, I think, is, is, is key. There's some more um, coverage about whether Bielsa's being possibly... Uh, um, coddled too much or accommodated too much but things do still seem to be going quite badly in that neck of the woods and they've only got five points after six games Jess did you see any of this yeah I, I watched quite a bit of this it wasn't it actually wasn't too bad a match it was end to end without a massive amount of quality it was um, a reasonably entertaining match and Gangon certainly had the better of it so if anyone deserved to win it was Gangon but um, I suppose you have to feel a little bit for Lille in the way it happened literally the last kick of the game and a deflection of Amadou who had a, had a really good game um, but Lille really didn't show much going forward and I just so many of Bielsa's decisions Again, I mean, we've talked about this so many times. I think so many of his decisions and his quirks throughout his career can be questioned. When it's going well, it's fine. It justifies it, but it's really not at the moment. And, you know, from things like insisting on having um, bungalows built at the training grounds and not letting anyone, um, not letting the players interact with any of the rest of the staff at Lille and um, playing Pepe up front, who I just I still don't rate that highly, and Thiago Maia at fullback when he's not a fullback, and mm -hmm. getting rid of De Preville. The fact is that yes, they've had a huge turnover as well. You know, we mentioned that Lille and uh, Lyon Nice, for example, but everyone that's come in has been people that Bielsa wanted. They've, you know, bent over backwards for him, and so really 
it's all on him if it doesn't work out. And at the moment, it, it really isn't working out. At some I'm point, loving it. <laughs> I I mean, I don't feel any sort of, um, yeah, I, I, you know, he's a hard person to feel any affection towards. So I don't feel any sympathy for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, the like we said last week, the, the, the sort of the top bods at Lille have sort of so tied their colours to, to Bielsa's mask that it's going to be tough for them to um, to do anything about it. Yeah. Um, but if it carries on like that, I expect him to leave at some point. Well, their next match on Friday is against Monaco. So, you know, a nice easy one to get over the troubles they may have been having so far. Um, the other game in the multiplex on Saturday evening was that Montpellier got a win away against Troyes, which may not be massively exciting for anybody else. Um, but given the situation they were in and the run of games they've got coming up, PSG, Monaco, Nice, Saint-Étienne, uh, very important to get that on the board. There was one other team that got their first win of the season um, at the weekend, which was Mets away at Angers on uh, Sunday. Nolan Rue with the goal. Jez, are you extremely relieved? Surprised? Relieved? Surprised? How, how's that working for you? <laughs> Both. <laughs> um, Angers don't, they're not exactly prolific and um, don't have a brilliant recent home record, but they're unbeaten this season. They're very hard to beat. Um, I think they've only won one match this season, but they hadn't lost any of the others. So, you know, everything suggested at best for Mess, maybe a nil-nil or one-all draw. So, to get a, to get a, a win there, I think is is extremely impressive. And again, um, apart from a, a spell at the end of the first half, I think Mess are pretty good for their win and really should have scored more. Um, it's worth watching the highlights just to to see three amazing chances all in injury time. Mess to miss two clear one-on-ones and then somehow with pretty much the last kick of the game, I don't know how Angers didn't score. Tokoe can be from point-blank range. Um, it hit Baliou, who I'm not sure knew anything about it, on the line and then still looked like it was going to go in and somehow hit the post and didn't go in. So, you know, for I'd say for once and possibly bit of luck that they deserved after last week Mess got away with it um, Dossivy actually looks like a great signing and has got two assists in two and next week Mess are at home to Troyes and that's mm-hmm. I still that's an absolute must win I think I think if they don't win that I think Hinchberger could get the sack but you know up till now Gangon at home was a poor poor result Caen away it happens Monaco and, and PSG, you expect nothing from them. And you know, yep. despite the 5-1 result last week, I think Mets good, gave relatively good accounts of themselves in both matches. So he's been able to buy himself a little bit of time. But, you know, that's on condition that you get points in the matches you are expected to get something from. And on paper, with all due respect, Trois, at home to Trois is one of the, should be one of the easiest matches all season. So, you know, they they got a great result yesterday, but they have to back it up with another win next week. Yeah. So moving on from that, obviously, the big 
match of the weekend was Sunday night's game, PSG OL, uh, where PSG won two nil with what is going down. It says here as two own goals, um, giving them their their two nil scoreline, which is kind of ironic under the circumstances. Now. I think most of us watching that thought Leon did a, a fabulous job of stepping up to them and making chances for most of the game. And it was only kind of in the last quarter of an hour that things turned. Um, but uh, that included a Cavani penalty miss or rather a Lopez save. Just to give him credit, he had a, a very good match as we are uh, used to seeing. But Yes, the own goals uh, are given to Marcelo, which was kind of Cavani started that one, and Morel, which was an Mbappe shot uh, that, that ended up uh, in the net. So it did look very even, and then PSG just kind of went uh, away in those last 15 minutes with a couple of a couple of lucky chances, really. Um, Lana, what was your take on how Leon played that game and, you know, how that scoreline reflects what actually happened on the pitch? We got robbed, just so that's clear. We got robbed. We haven't been robbed so badly since 2013-14 when Monaco scored three offside goals. Just bear that in mind. I still rage over that game. But we were so good yesterday. Like, we were so unlucky. I was genuinely crying at the end because we were so unlucky. And I have to give a huge shout out to Ndombele. Uh, he was amazing. And it's a reason why we collapsed so gloriously after he was taken off. Both the goals came right after he was taken off and Martins was put on. And from that on, when the first goal went in, I was like, okay, we're going to lose this game because uh, the luck just wasn't on our side. We should have gotten a penalty in the first half, which we didn't. That was such a clear penalty. If we're going to give the one to Cavani, then the penalty in the first half should have been given. Uh, Neymar was so lucky not to be booked after kicking Fakir in the first half. I don't know if anyone noticed that. Um, yeah. And then he was booked in second half, which if the ref had booked him in first half, he should have been sent off. And... Rabio was apparently just getting away with so much and there were so many people just like whenever PSG were basically someone blew at them they fall down and they got a free kick it was so frustrating to watch because we were we were playing as a team and whenever we had a chance it just it wouldn't go in and when I see at the chances PSG had and those two lucky young goals, it just makes me even more angry because we deserved a point yesterday. And Orbele uh, crashing one off the bar particularly yeah. was oh, so close. Um, <clears throat> um, Jez, do you have any uh, anything to add to, to that? I, I got lots of stick for lots of things. <laughs> My mm -hmm. uh, coverage of the match on Twitter yesterday. But one one tweet, which maybe I on purpose made a little bit ambiguous to wind people up, maybe not. I said that, um, you know, it's hard enough to play PSG considering they bought the league. When I say bought the league, I don't mean in a dodgy way. I do generally just mean, you know, they've got the player much investment. more spending power yeah. than anyone else. Yeah, it's harder still when they've got referee calls going 
in their favour. Obviously, I'm still annoyed about the sending off against Ness last week, but as Lana said, it was a clear penalty. And yeah, I think Neymar should have been booked. Um, it happens everywhere. It doesn't happen just to PSG. It happens in the Premier League all the time, I think. Um, in the, the way football is now and the, the power that certain teams and certain players and certain coaches have, I think referees are scared and do, if they're unsure, tend to um, lean on the side of the bigger team, which which obviously is wrong, but I think it's just going to happen more and more. But it was a really poor decision last night. It was absolutely a penalty. Um, and then... And then I put in the tweet, you know, and that makes it even harder. And then what makes it harder still is when PSG are having all the luck. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Mm. Um, but yesterday they really did have all the luck. Two own goals. Um, and Zombele, who, you know, that's the third time he's hit the woodwork this season with a with a fantastic shot. You know, he's got to be feeling really sick. But he did play brilliantly. Um, I'd, I think... Despite the defeat, I think there's lots of reasons for Lyon to be positive. As a sort of follow-on to what I said earlier, they definitely look like more of a team. I think mm-hmm. Zambelli was a big reason for that. Sort of, he was a, a really good link <clears throat> between um, the defence and the attack, which is not to criticise Tuzar, for example. Who I think is fantastic, but they really, um, really played well together. By the way, yesterday. Yeah, I think it was great to see, and the same in def- in defence. I thought. Um, uh, Tete was Tete, great yeah. and he was, he was you know really unfortunate for the first goal but he and Mendy I thought impressed a lot more than, than uh, Rafael and Marcel have so far this season so although they've they've invested a lot and, and some of these players are, are young players that they've brought in rather than come through the the um, the youth team, I think, again, it's a sign that to, to Genesio and Olas maybe you know stick with the young players, whether mm. they're brought in or not. They're they're the ones that look the more impressive. Yeah, I think um, uh, one of the gifts that's going around at the moment, I think Owell has tweeted it themselves, mm. is um, Tete not allowing himself to be elasticoed by by Neymar yeah. and just not making him back and and then clearing the ball out of everywhere. Uh, because obviously, I'd also, <laughs> I'd also just say, um, in terms of what Lana said about Ndombele going off and the goals coming just after that, <clears throat> I don't think it's surprising at all. It's you know, it's, I think his fourth league match ever, and he worked himself to the ground. It's not surprising he he was he was shattered at the end of it. But um, again, it's not an excuse. It's just the way it is. But Lyon also had two days less break. Um, between their last match and this one, and PSG mm-hmm. did, and you know it's the way it is that PSG have got more more possession. Lyon going to do more running around, so um, I think that told at the end. Yeah, that I mean, and the fact that Lokelso um, is fantastic, and mm-hmm. I had a I had a conversation with someone before the match because I thought Lokelso really should have started. I don't, I'm still not convinced by Draxler, and certainly not in the middle. Um, I think that was the wrong move, I would have played Lokelso in the middle, especially because Motta is Motta and Rabio is clearly not fit. And I think that's a you know big risk that that maybe they got away with playing Rabio not fit. Um they did have other players who you know, okay Nkunku and Caligari are young, but they've got enough players that, and you know decent players there to, to fill those gaps and 
Um, I think I they think relied it, on the attack, basically covering all the cracks in the middle mm-hmm. and the back. That's I think that's going to be a issue. theme all season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly, I mean, we'll talk about it in a bit in terms of the Condeba, but, um, you know, there are still lots of moments. I said it about Lyon earlier, but there are still quite a lot of times when um, PSG look like a collection of individuals rather than a team for the moment. Mm-hmm. Against Celtic, it, they look very good. But, um, but that's not, Celtic, not... no offence to Celtic. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but they, yeah, certainly on, on Sunday, it didn't look like a, a well, well-ordered team at all. Yeah. And there, I mean, there was the someone who I think tweeted us Bayern. saying, I think someone said Lyon, Lyon won the match, but PSG won the moments or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Bayern is in that, you know, that's a step up in class and that's the, that's but when they may Bayern or may not be Neuer, found out. Neuer is yeah. out injured, so uh, he's out with a broken foot. So that should yeah, be interesting. Uh, but I think Bayern are so, such a well-composed team as well. They're so good in the middle and it will be interesting, especially to see Tolisso. I was going to say it'd be <laughs> nice to see if he gets revenge on behalf of oh, I hope so. club. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the things we saw, obviously, when we're talking about a team of individuals was you've probably all seen the other gif, which is Cavani attempting to take the ball for a free kick, Danny Alves confiscating it, refusing to give it back and then handing it off to Neymar in what looked like a rugby, uh, rugby move. Um, this seems to be becoming a thing. Uh, we've got uh, a statement from Unai Emery. Apparently, the players need to sort it out amongst themselves <laughs> with an undertow of, seriously, everybody grow up. Um, but it does look like Cavani is maybe not in the best um, uh, in the best uh, place uh, in the team. He must have thought a season or so ago when um, Ibra disappeared, uh, great, this is mine now, and now there's another alpha male um, on the territory, and Dani Alves is obviously on his side. So some of the um, slightly childish um, things going on in in, uh, in the front three uh, of PSG, does this look like it might be serious or something that will blow over and everybody will just kind of get on with things Jez what do you think um well apparently Cavani unfollowed Neymar on Instagram today I don't know if it gets more serious than that oh Jesus Christ um, the world <laughs> um I don't think it's too serious at the moment but I think it has the potential to become an issue um I was talking to Rich about it today and we both agreed that it's um we almost feel sorry for Cavani and regular listeners will know that, that that's quite a lot coming from us. Um, I actually do feel sorry for him. And I hate I, him. I don't I mean I don't hate him and I don't think he's an awful footballer, but I certainly think he's a class below Mbappe and Neymar. But the fact is that he's in the middle, he's starting, he's scoring goals and he deserves more respect than they seem to be giving him at the moment. Um, it's, I thought, Alves taking the ball to give to Neymar was pretty pathetic. Let Neymar, you know, Neymar's big enough to, to fight his own battles if he really wanted to take the free kick. And good for Cavani refusing to, to give the ball to Neymar for the penalty. Yeah. Neymar is Neymar. If he really wants to take penalties, I wouldn't be surprised if he sooner or later becomes the penalty taker. 
And um, Emery also gave a kind of relatively unclear follow-up to his answer about letting them sort it out by, by themselves by saying, and if they don't, I'll have to come up with something like maybe them both being able to take them or some really ambiguous answer like that. Um, I do, yeah, and obviously the fact that Cavani didn't score the penalty. Doesn't um, help. Doesn't help his cause. I mean, glorious. as you said, it was a fantastic save, but if a top-class striker... A top-class striker should be scoring penalties full stop. I've always thought that. I don't think they should count in the goal-scoring charts. They should just be scored. And just as an aside, um, clearly Cavani is Lekic's new Thiago Silva, who's going to get a good grade, whatever happens. But their, their review of Cavani's match was, well, he didn't score a penalty, um, but he, he, you know, he really cared. And although it was a known goal, we might as well say that he scored it, so let's give him a good grade. I think, if you look at it from a different angle, it wasn't going in until Marcelo intervened, so I think that was a load of rubbish. But there, there does seem to be an issue there. More, I think more than the, um, the, the childishness of the free kick and the penalties is when you look at the stats about um, passes, like Neymar and Mbappe are passing to each other all the time. Mm. Um, yeah. Between them, I think they passed to Cavani twice all match. That's Mbappe refused to pass to Cavani. Yeah, that's a much bigger issue. I mean, yeah. there's lots of people, I, conspiracy I, theories about Nike. So I actually, no, I can't believe I, I, I did, but I looked it up and Cavani wears Nike boots as well. So Yeah, it's uh, when you look at, I mean, um, Lekeep's uh, article about whether Cavani is being isolated has got the stats of passes received in the match. Neymar had 52, Mbappe had 49 and Cavani had 12. Well, Cavani's playing in a different position. The other two are more playmakers, so you would expect there to be more passes because they are dropping deeper more often. So, in a sense, those raw numbers don't necessarily imply there's a problem. But the fact that, yes, they do appear to have one player who isn't passing to one of the other ones does appear to be more the case. Is this going to be, it's not just that Cavani's got Neymar to worry about, it's that Mbappe has turned up, who obviously was another nine-figure player acquisition, and he seems perfectly happy to play on Team Neymar because he thinks that's, you know, maybe best for the team but also maybe best for him what are the other guys gonna are they going to come out on a particular side you know because they they feel that their fortunes are going to be better better served by one rather than the other it's all getting a little bit machiavellian but um it does seem that Cavani is in for another frustrating season obviously it's going to be a very long and very busy season so there's room for everybody but playing them all simultaneously is this going to be an experiment that is going to have to stop at some point Lana what do you think about you know what that front three might look like after after this imbroglio at the weekend my biggest worry with most young French players have always been their arrogance and when I saw the game yesterday and the way Mbappe was playing I was like, okay, he's going to end up like one of those players who are too arrogant for their own good. And I feel that he is going to grow to become a player that's not very likable. 
which is a worry because I do think that leaving Monaco was a mistake. But just the way that he was behaving yesterday on the pitch, I have a tendency to notice these things because I'm weird that way. But it was just so worrying because why won't you send like pass the ball to Cavani? Like it it worries me because I think this is a bigger issue than people realize. I was talking about this with a friend last year as well. There were news about how there was unsettlements in the uh, dressing room, not enough leadership. And it was obvious as well yesterday, the way Alves behaved with the whole taking the ball. And I think this is going to grow to be a much more serious issue than people would like to think. They're like laughing at it now and being uh, making jokes. But I do think that either this has to resolve or I, I genuinely think that Cavani will leave next summer. Maybe even in January if it gets this serious. I think a lot of it is the similar issues to, to what we've discussed the last few years. That you know there was a bit of a wake up call, obviously, because Monaco won the league last year. But it still feels like this PSG team are like we're obviously going to win the league, and we'll sleepwalk through the league, and we'll you know really concentrate for for the Champions League. And so possibly after such an impressive result at the weekend, despite it being Lyon with all the sort of extra soap opera of um, Olas and Al-Khalafi and things like that, possibly they thought, oh, we just need to turn up. Um, so it could be a bit of a wake-up call that they're actually going to have to take Ligue 1 a bit more seriously. Um, you know, Lyon maybe did everyone else a favour by showing that if you attack PSG, they are vulnerable. Um but again, the question is, when it when it comes to business time in the Champions League, are they going to be able to switch? If they're, you know, if individual bits of brilliance paper over cracks in league game, that's one thing. But you know, against a savvy team like Bayern or Real or um, Juventus, I, you know, they're they're, they're not going to roll over. They're going to be better at nullifying um, to an extent. PSG's attacking threat and they're going to be a lot better at exploiting any weaknesses because there are clear weaknesses there everyone keeps talking about how great they're attacking but they still failed to strengthen in midfield which in my opinion has been a huge issue even last season Varati hasn't been fit he hasn't been convincing Mota is Mota and even Rapio now you can start to see that he's been injured and they're going to run him to the ground the, their defense is also really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that people still rely on Thiago Silva is beyond me. And then there's the whole goalkeeper issue. I mean, I don't care how good your attack is. If you cannot defend on the other side, then, as you said, teams like Real and Bayern are going to destroy them. Because yeah. they're know, tactically that... better than Lyon mm. at it. And in terms of defense, I know that... Um, uh... John Johnson, for example, has um, for a while now been saying that Kazawa really isn't very impressive at the moment. And I thought Beshish was quite good against Mess, although it was against Mess. Um, but yeah, Kazawa is also proving quite a bit of a liability, even in Ligue 1 at the moment. So again, again, he was really poor teams, yesterday. Yeah, he was. So, you know, again, against. You could see, you know, for example, Isco Asensio at Real Madrid ripping him to shreds. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see that. 
Okay, so if we, we move from the heady heights of uh, six wins out of six at the top of Ligue 1 to seven defeats out of seven at the bottom of Ligue 2, this is one of the questions that has come in from a listener. Graham1A on Twitter asks, um, basically, what's going on with Lens? Hangover from last season? They are bottom of Ligue 2. They have lost seven on the spin. Jez, I know for some reason you have been keeping an eye on this. Um, do you have anything <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to to inform Graham about what's going on at Lens? Yeah, I'm going to treat this with lots of sympathy. Um, I think that I mean, I've, there's been a few articles kind of trying to work out what the issue is. And people are saying there's, there's kind of issues all over the place perhaps none of them by themselves are so big but you mix them all up so you know change of management change of ownership change of players personnel um generally very moany um uh fans who think they're entitled to to more than they are i don't think a hangover from last year is a is a good enough excuse for anything um speaking as a brighton fan it is possible to to sort of um, kind of get back on your feet again after you know disappointment of just missing out on promotion and, and doing it the following year. Um, in their defence, they've had a massive turnover of players. Um, I think they sold um, 22 and or 22 players have left and 14 have arrived. But I'm not sure that they've bought particularly wisely. Um, they've lost Bouichot, who's who is an excellent player. I think mm. form players from last year, like Fortuné and um, Bostock, haven't turned up yet this year. Um, apparently, there's quite a lot of tension in the changing rooms about um, some players who are too selfish and the fact that they're not playing as a team. Um, I think there's, yeah, as I said, lots of reasons. You know, Javier Martel has been sort of ousted. Um, I think there's a few people in the sort of uh, corridors there who, who don't really know what's going on or whether they still have a place in the club. Um, the fans, you know, I, I think they're still being massively indulged by the league. You know, how you can um, have a pitch invasion, even if there was no violence or anything, how you can have a pitch invasion that leads to a match being um, halted for 15 minutes or so and get away without any punishment is absolutely beyond me. Um, but you know they still get away with it. Um, but that yeah, that there's issues there, and I know it's not all about money. But the bottom line is they've got the biggest budget in league. They should not be whatever the reasons. They should not be in this position. And I think it's pretty pathetic. Hmm. Well, we will. It's, uh... it's tragic to see. Well, no, we will have uh, more on that when we do a Ligue, 1, a Ligue 2 special at some point when Chris is back and we've got a, one of our Ligue 2 experts to, to chip in <coughs> on the whole gamut of what's going on down there in, in that division. So um, tonight, this is Monday night, we're recording. France, uh, the women's team are playing Spain in the second friendly uh, after beating Chile 1-0 on Friday. That was a... Lance are also playing as we speak, by the way. Well, okay. Nil, nil nil after twenty minutes. Marvelous. Good to know. Um so the the, the France game was obviously Colin Diacre's first game in charge uh, on the sidelines for Le Bleu. Um 
bit of a change up, obviously, after the uh, Euros. Uh, Camille Abelli has retired and some other big names out of the squad, Tommy Stolitini. So it looked like she was trying to um, obviously give some other players a chance, try a few new things out. We had new blood at both fullback positions, uh, Montpellier's Marion Torrent and Juvizy's Theo Greboval uh, at the, the fullbacks. It was uh, a goal from Viviasse in the first half that was the difference. It wasn't uh, a, you know, a characteristically swashbuckling performance from France, but it was a solid performance before they play, obviously, Spain this evening so we're not going to be able to cover that but that will obviously be a much bigger test um lana did you see any of this i um uh any any views on on how things looked in diacra's first match in charge i was following just because abeli is retiring and that was sad and i was watching the leon girls but they look good as you said the big test will be spain tonight and so mm -hmm. far it's nil nil so hopefully they will uh, be able to win tonight. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it should be interesting going forward to see yeah. how she'll do. Because uh, obviously Spain, uh, you know, a team that may well have more possession against France than they are used to, uh, particularly at the Euros, they outdid uh, England in possession in the, in the group game, which I think is not something England's used to. So it's a case of managing maybe a slightly different kind of opponent um, than, uh, than they they would uh, habitually play so we'll we'll keep an eye on that and uh, obviously looking forward to uh, their ma their other matches coming up now one other question we had which we're going to use as a kind of uh, finishing up uh, moment was from C Hartley Chris Hartley so C Hartley 1983 now he's a Saint-Étienne fan so his question might be slightly connected to that which is simple question which team in Liga has the nicest kit and conversely who has the worst or strangest kit so um, Lana who do you think has got the the best kit this season and are there any you really don't like I'm going to be biased. I really like Leon's, but I also like Marseille's kit, which is really bad for me, considering I hate them and never say anything positive. But I did like theirs. I also like Monaco's kit. Uh, so, um, I'm yeah, I, I really like the kits this season, which is a surprise since I'm always skeptical. I haven't seen the other ones uh, so far. No, I think but, Leon, Leon's one is really, it's got a kind of classic block colour, no faffing around kind of look to it. Yeah, I, 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 love I, that. I like I love that, that look. Yeah. The yeah. classic look. That's yeah. what I prefer on the kids. So, Jez, what, uh, what have you got on your uh, to-buy list, would you say? Um, I do think the Saint-Étienne kits are, yeah. are fantastic this year. Um, I generally, I do think France give good kits. Um, the problem is usually the, the amount of sponsorship that ruins them. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes they look more like Formula One drivers than, than footballers. Um, but I like, I think Nice is, a lot of them are sort of, there's not much you can do with them. So it's sort of variations on a the theme. You know, Monaco's I always think look smart. Mm -hmm. um, I like Nice's this year. I like the the black on the back, and I like the their black second kit. Um, that one's really nice. Yeah, um, I like both of Toulouse's offerings. I, I've never liked the the sort of purple and white stripes, but the sort of all Just purple. Just a block I think purple. Looks really that's, smart. that's a nice color. I think. Yeah, um, and then 
their second kit and Bordeaux's second kit with white and sort of red trim, I think that's nice. Mm. Um, and in terms of, I'm not going to say worst kit because I like it, but possibly quirky kits. I think Bordeaux have done it again with their, I don't know if it's a third kit or their European kit. Um, uh, I yeah. think you usually I think refer to European it correctly as their the disco, disco kit. Sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so this one's sort of black, but yeah, with kind of sort of purple and black, maybe kind of tiger stripey I like sleeves. Yeah. I think it's, it looks it's, great. It's I really like it. It's different from the, the uh, photo album, which was their approach uh, last year. And also on their main kit, They've still got the chevron. They've sorted the collar out. So I, I do like Bordeaux's kit as well as Saint-Étienne's. I think in terms of not convinced, I'm going with the Cole main kit because it just looks like they've been run over, which is kind of not a good look, possibly. Um, there's it's got the sort of tire, tire tread treads down, that, down that Spurs it. Spurs had is, last year. Yeah. Ugh, that was awful. Not, not possibly uh, a great look there so those Actually, are... <laughs> i quite like nance with the green sleeves as well yes always uh, nice interesting colors different colors to have in the uh, in the palette there so uh, keep an eye out obviously over the european games you'll be getting to see even more kits than in liga so that's some uh, preliminary views and we'll see how everything looks in the snow uh, at the winter break so maybe looking we'll for... do a fashion special sometime as well <laughs> yeah possibly <laughs> by so... the way apparently cavani unfollowed neymar too now so looks like it's going to be some drama over in the capital. <laughs> oh God! S- some somebody called an agony aunt. Um, so, so looking or, forward or a to kindergarten teacher. Yeah. Looking forward to the weekend's games. Uh, we've got again. We've got two games on Friday. So Nice Angers followed by Lille Monaco. So um, there could be more chaos on Friday. Uh, Montpellier host PSG and the afternoon game on Saturday, which I think we all know how that's going to work out. And the big game on Sunday evening is Marseille v Toulouse, which um, could be could be an interesting one. So we'll be uh, keeping an eye on all of those things and back to speak to you all next week about that. If you have any questions, please do send them in. Otherwise, uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, I've been Philippa B, joined by Jeremy Smith and Lana Daywood. And we will be back, hopefully, with Chris if he's got his internet plugged back in next week. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening and goodbye.